If you will, turn in your Bibles with me to the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. John 14, and I want to uh, read just a verse or two from this chapter beginning at verse 22. I'd like to remind you that we are studying through the lives of the 12 disciples. By my count, this is the 11th disciple. Lord willing, we will finish this series next Sunday morning. I probably ought to also tell you, before we read the scripture, that this message today is a little different from what we are accustomed to and what we would call a traditional sermon on a Sunday morning. It is delivered in first-person narrative. So just think about that as we share together this morning. John 14, beginning at verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord... What then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. One of my greatest concerns about contemporary Christianity revolves around an issue of authenticity. How sincere are we in our faith, in the expression and demonstration of our relationship with Christ on a daily basis? Just how faithful and consistent are we? Authenticity. I get this from my father, uh, raised in a Jewish home. There were so many times that my father used an opportunity to teach us as children a lesson on what it means to be true to yourself, to, to your own values, to the beliefs that you hold so near and dear to your heart. Of all the things that make up who you are as an individual, That's who we are. For instance, I'll never forget the time that my mother came home from the market and we discovered that the merchant had given her too much change. And so immediately when that was discovered, my father scooped up the money, grabbed me by the hand, and we began to walk back to the market. It was a long walk and it was dusty and hot and I didn't want to be out there. I asked him and I insisted along the way, Pop, you can just keep the money. No need to return it to the merchant, but there was this look of unbelief on his face. And he stopped there in the middle of the street and taught me that this is not who we are. This is not a part of our values. And so it was only the right thing to do to return the money. I'd be going out the door to play with friends as a child, and as I would push the door open, he would say to me, Judas, remember who you are. And it was his way of reminding me that he had taught me the ways of the Lord. He'd read the scriptures to me, he'd prayed with me, and those were moments that I was to carry with me. And so when I was out beyond his sphere of influence, when I was beyond his watchful eye, 
that there were still opportunities for me to be obedient to what he taught me at home. I remember those times. They are special to me and they have continued with me on into adulthood. Even as I became a young man, I remember once leaving and as I walked out the door, he called my name again, only this time with a little more emphasis. And he said, Judas Labaius, your parent ever called you by your middle name? You knew they meant business, right? He said, remember who you are. But I insisted, I've... I've had my bar mitzvah. I am now a man. I, I am independent. I'm a free thinker. I can make decisions on my own. And he looked at me one more time and said, remember who you are. It was a connection with my family that he forged in place. And he was insistent on the fact that no matter where I go and whatever I did, I was forever and eternally tethered to these values. These beliefs, the ways of the Lord that he taught me and instilled with me. These experiences have never left me and I remember what it was like as a man talking to my friend Simon and as we heard the older folks talk about the independence of our nation and a freedom that they'd longed for so long and for so many years. I realized that what we were hearing the older generation pray about and talk about was actually the same thing that my father had instilled in me. Because of the ways of the Romans, the Jews did not feel that they were true to themselves. They couldn't worship the way they wanted to. They couldn't live the way they wanted to. They were just on so many angles and so many corners and oppression of our own faith and spirituality. We were invited to a prayer group. And initially we were excited because we heard people pray that somehow, some way, God would deliver us from the Romans. That God would take away their heavy hand of oppression. That we could live in the way that Jehovah God had desired us to live for all these years. And every time that we went, we were so excited and anxious to know what kind of report would come. And how the news would transpire and events that would take place and we would wonder, is this God's way? Is this God's hand? Is God answering our prayers? But we discovered something the more we went to those prayer group meetings. There was less talk about God and more talk about ourselves. Well, we began to abandon the idea that God was going to do something and we began to put our own plans in place. Strategies were put on the table. It was talked about as to who the leading influencers of Rome were in our area and ways that they could be killed and taken out of service. And there were many who said, this is the way of God, but Simon and I didn't agree with that. We, we backed away and we began to listen to preacher and preacher and preacher and wonder what is God saying to us, not just as individuals, but to us as a nation. And as we listen, we listen, we listen, we, we listen to John the Baptist. 
Boy, he was a ball of fire. Repent. He would preach. That was not a popular message in our day. And it's not one now, I understand. Repent. Repent of your sins. It means turning from living the life the way you think it ought to be lived and live the life the way God wants you to live it. And as I could close my eyes, I would hear my father whispering in my ear, Judas, Judas Lebeus, remember who you are. And it was a constant calling back to the ways of God and those prayers that my father would pray. And I just somehow connected with John the Baptist and believed that he truly was sent from God. Simon believed that as well. And then one day, as we listened to John the Baptist and watched him as he would baptize there in the Jordan River, all of a sudden he just captured our attention and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we all turned and looked and here walked in this carpenter's boy, this Jesus of Nazareth. And at John's bidding, he encouraged us to follow Jesus. We didn't want to at first, but he insisted. No, follow him. I must decrease. He must increase. And so we began to follow and listen to Jesus. And I wanted to believe immediately that he was the one sent from God, that it was he that would truly liberate us from Rome. But I want you to know I had trouble with that at first because of the ways that he talked about Rendering to Caesar what was Caesar's and unto God what was God's. The, the, the things that Jesus would say, you've heard it said of old, but I tell you. Always taking the law of the Old Testament and raising it to a higher dimension, a higher level. You know what I mean? Jesus taught not about the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, the attitude, the thought, the demeanor which was a much more noble way of living, but it was difficult for us to accept that at first. This idea of loving your enemies and praying for those who might persecute you and intentionally harm you, we, we had trouble with that at first. And then, and then we saw him perform his miracles. But almost with every miracle that Jesus performed, he did the same thing. It started in Cana when he turned the water into wine. He, he said to his own mother, who insisted that he do that for the host, he said to her, it's not my time. I'm not ready. But it made us wonder, what had she seen him do in the past? How did she know that he had the ability to turn the water into wine? But he tried to suppress the moment, but he did it at his mother's bidding. And then we saw him multiply the bread and the fish and feed the multitude. We saw him cause the blind to see, the lame to walk. He would raise the dead and walk on water himself. And we said to ourselves, this is it. He is the Messiah. And then we went to Caesarea Philippi. And he asked us all, who do you say that I am? And we wondered, don't you know who you are? Why do you ask us? You don't need affirmation from us. 
But yet he was interested in our understanding of who he was. And again, I could hear the words of my father. Remember who you are. Be true to yourself. And the life that I expect you to live. We went from there and went to Jerusalem. We were to observe the Passover meal that we'd, we'd done before with Jesus. We'd been there. We, we knew what it was like and it was our custom and we looked forward to it. We were totally unaware that walking into Jerusalem that day, that Palm Sunday, that Jesus had arranged for a small colt to be there and he rode in on the colt. And as he rode in on the colt there into Jerusalem, people lined the streets and they began to wave palm branches and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. And I looked around and I looked at Simon, I sort of winked and I said, this is it, the stage is set, he has a captive audience, everybody is here, he can stand and announce who he is. I want everybody to listen, I'm his campaign manager, I will, st- I will do everything I can to point attention to him. He is Jesus. He is our Redeemer. He is Messiah. He is the one sent from God. He is Christ. He is the anointed. Jesus didn't say a word. The scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees showed up and said, make the people quit singing. You know why? They were singing a new song. (laughs) We don't like new songs, do we? Jesus said, well, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. You're going to hear the song. They'll either sing it or you'll hear it from nature itself. Okay. We got in the city. Where did Jesus want to go? The temple. Always the temple. Synagogue. Somewhere. We walked through the courtyard with Jesus. We noticed what he noticed. It looked more like a flea market than it did a temple. They were there selling the animals. And Jesus would listen and he would watch as people's faces with consternation would say, how can I afford this? I came to offer an offering and I can't afford a simple dove, let alone a lamb. And as Jesus went up the steps to the temple... He did something very unexpectedly. He took a rope. He made it into a whip and he turned over the money changers' tables and he threw them out of the courtyard and people began to run and birds were flying and animals were bleeding. And I looked at Simon and I said, this is it. This is the revolution. This is why we came to town. All Jesus would say is, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. It's to be known as a house of prayer and I wonder Jesus why don't you tell them who you are tell them but he didn't tell them we went to the upper room he washed our feet we took of the bread we took of the cup and he explained to us a new covenant that was put in place And he talked about him leaving us. It was Thomas who said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the 
truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He continued to talk and talked about disclosing, revealing himself to us. as to, We knew who he was, but I could not stop myself. And I said, Lord, why are you doing this? You've had so many opportunities out there with the miracles you've performed, coming into Jerusalem with that captive audience and then in the temple there. You could have told them yourself who you are. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? And he stopped and said, Thaddeus. Thaddeus. That was the name Jesus gave me. It means the lion-hearted one, the courageous one. And I think he gave me that name because I was always pushing him. I was always trying to get him to go forward, go forward, tell everybody who you are. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. But he said to me, Thaddeus, this is not God's way. If you keep my word, if you're obedient then the Father and I will come and we will make our home with you. And ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't until later that I connected the two and realized that Jesus was telling me what my father had been telling me since childhood and he always insisted, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. I would travel with Jesus after he was raised from the dead. I would watch him as he would reveal himself to small crowds and large crowds and all the people that he would come in contact with. And I would go with him to the Mount of Olives as I would watch him ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And as he disappeared in a cloud, there was a sense in me that said, Oh Lord, I want to go with you. Somehow, someway, just transcend me from this dimension to the next. Let me go, let me go. But I stayed with the other disciples and as we talked about what we were to do, I reminded them, we must tell the world who he is. Now that he is no longer with us and we are out from under his influence and his watchful eye, we must be true to our values and live the life that he's taught us to live and I'd understood what my father was trying to teach me so much better when Jesus taught it. That by his spirit and by his presence, he would invade my life and your life and he would challenge us to live a life for him that shows the world who he is. The question, ladies and gentlemen, is are we doing it? By our speech. By the decisions that we make by the influence that we have on those around us, are we pointing them to Jesus Christ? If not, ladies and gentlemen, there's a problem with our authenticity. Because in order for us to be authentic, we must be true out there as we attempt to appear in here. You see, we come to church and we huddle together and we offer our prayers and we come as if everything is okay and all right and it's all well and good. And I pray that it is. But if you search your own life and your own heart, you'll discover that oftentimes, like I, 
There are too many temptations out there. Too many opportunities that we pass over when there's a chance for us to tell somebody about Jesus. A chance for us to be Jesus for them. And we're not. There was a tradition among my people when Jesus ascended to heaven. All the angels gathered around and they wanted to know, tell us what it was like, tell us what you did, tell us what you taught, tell us all about your experiences. And Jesus did. And he reminded them that when he ascended to heaven, there were only 12. 12 men who were to carry on his mission and his calling. The angels looked at themselves and said, 12? Just 12? Just 12. And one of them asked, Lord, what's plan B? <laughs> and Jesus said, there is no plan B. If Jesus Christ is to be revealed to the world, it's up to you and me. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray that you would take this message and apply it to any and every heart here. That you would continue to teach us how to live a life that is pleasing to you. And as Jesus responded to Judas, Thaddeus, in our scripture here, and reminded him that if the world was to truly know who Jesus is, that it was up to them. It's up to us now. Father, help us to faithfully and consistently reflect your nature and your character wherever we go and whatever we do. Convict us when we're wrong. Affirm us when we're right. And Lord, by your spirit, I pray you would encourage us to keep believing that you can and will use us in this world. Father, if there is any person here, young or old, as Skylar did last Sunday and as others have done in recent days, let them come forward in this service and say, yes, I want to commit my life to Christ and follow Him. If there are Christians here looking for a church home, Lord, and because your Spirit would lead them, let them come to unite with our church family as we receive members in many ways. We give this invitation on your behalf through Jesus we pray.